All right, everybody, Jacob Sunstrom, the managing editor of fearofthefin.com, here with Marcus White, staff writer at fearofthefin.com. Uh, kind of calling in a, well, this is our usual day, I guess, so we were just late before. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the big news of the day, obviously, being the Kevin LeBanc call-up, in addition to talking about the big news of the weekend, which was the Sharks getting uh, shit-canned by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so let's, let's start with the, uh, the LeBanc news. Uh, you know, I wrote something, well, I wrote it last night, went up this morning about, you know, whether or not the, it was the right move for the Sharks to, to call up LeBanc, and apparently uh, the Sharks thought, yes, that, that it was time, uh, you know, time, time to call him up. But my, my reasoning in the, the article was basically that uh, if they're not going to play Matt Nieto, then yes, they should call up Kevin LeBanc. And I think that this probably tells us a lot about what they think of Matt Nieto at this point. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, not a whole lot. So I think that now LeBanc joins the team. The team goes on a six-game road trip. I assume that he's going to play because otherwise there's no reason to call him up. Um, and that would be much more reckless and stupid than the, you know, calling up Ryan Carpenter to sit in the press box, of course. And I think that's why we saw Ryan Carpenter before and we're seeing Kevin LeBanc now. So I guess let's start with what's uh, your initial reaction to the, the news of the call-up. Um, I assume surprised. I was definitely su- a little surprised. Yeah, I think uh... – Reading between the lines of what DeBoer said to us yesterday at the Sharks' last practice before um, they went on the road trip, I think you could. I had an inclination that it was going to be LeBanc. I just didn't think they'd actually do it. You know, he talked about, oh, it's about merit. He spoke very highly of how LeBanc played. He was also asked about LeBanc as opposed to other players. But you know, the way he, you know, the way they talked about how they determined players are going to get called up. Uh, Reading between the lines, it seemed like LeBanc was the choice. Uh, you know, you, you really can't argue, I think, with him getting this chance. He's got 10 points in six games, I think. He leads all rookies in the AHL in points per game. Uh, among players that have played at least four games, he's tied for second in points per game with Nikolai Goldobin. Um, you know, for people who have followed the Barracuda a little more closely and, you know, some of the other writers have talked to, uh, they say that, LeBanc's been legit. He's been the real deal so far. Um, I also don't think they make this, you know, like you alluded to, Jake, they don't make this move unless he's going to play. I don't think they call him up unless he's going to, you know, play and get a chance in that lineup. It might not be uh, tomorrow against Washington because, you know, they're traveling. They haven't had a practice yet. Uh, They might wait to get him, you know, practicing with his teammates, but you know, he did see some time with uh, with Chris Tierney and Melker Carlson, from what I recall in the in the preseason, and you know he could probably slide back with that with uh, with Tierney. I'm sure. You know, I think you know we could talk about where we see him fitting into the lineup. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to call him up to play him. You know, maybe ten minutes a night. I think they're going to they get they'll give him a a pretty regular chance. They might not put him right on you know the second unit power play, but I think. You know, I don't. I don't think they make this move for what they've talked about, and you know, DeBoer's emphasized that they don't have to rush anybody. They're not in a position where they need to, you know, bring guys along because they have capable NHL players. Um, you know, you know, taking into account everything they've said to this point, they don't make this move unless he's going to play. Now, I still, having said that, I still would not be surprised if he doesn't play a whole lot on this road trip, especially if you know the Sharks catch fire with their NHL light options um, ahead of him. But, you know, it's good news for him and it's, it's good news for the Sharks. It's really exciting for the Sharks to have a, a young player like this up uh, on the team. I can't recall, you know, a, a mid season call up who's had as much hype as, you know, LeBanc has right now, maybe since 
Logan Couture, and I mean, you know, maybe the next one closest to him, closest to Couture, would have been when Tommy Wingles was first getting call ups to the mm-hmm. team as as long ago as that seems. So, um, you know, this is this is definitely exciting for the Sharks, and you know, it's exciting for Kevin LeBanc. Now it's time to see to see what he can do. Where do you think uh, he's going to slide into the lineup, if at all? Yeah, I think that they probably put him on the fourth line because I think that that's really where they see the hole in the lineup. Um, that being said, you know, you see um, this weekend practicing kind of putting their lines in a blender yesterday that they're not opposed to the idea, I think, of really putting him anywhere. You know, uh, like uh, quite frankly, wouldn't be shocked to see him play with the Joes. I wouldn't be shocked to see him Agreed. play with uh, with Couture. Nothing would surprise me, really, at this point. And I, w- I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to, to you know, putting him anywhere because I think that the fact that he's a gifted scorer uh, kind of makes him a good fit for, really, uh, either of those top two lines because you're playing with a good center, you know, and I think that that's going to be something that's that's going to be important. Um, you know, I wouldn't hate to see uh, uh, LeBanc and Donskoy and Couture play together and then put Bodker on the top line. I wouldn't hate to see LeBanc on the top line with the Joes. And I think it would be fine, as, at least at first, to put him on the fourth line with, uh, with Tierney and Carlson. Because I honestly, I don't really feel like that's a, a, a fourth line by traditional you know, standards. I think that's a fourth line that you know, has guys that can score. You know, Tierney is a pretty good playmaker. LeBanc is a great scorer. Carlson is a really good all-around player. And I don't think that that's a bad fourth line. I know the traditional wisdom being that we don't want to put our prospects on the fourth line and have them play seven or eight minutes a night. But that being said... If they play well enough, they're not going to just play seven or eight minutes a night, you know. Right. And DeBoer's not afraid to to do that to roll all four lines. That's what they want to do. They just haven't had the fourth line that have been good enough, at least in their opinion, to actually make that happen. Um, so I think the I I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I think he'll start on the fourth line where he finishes, you know. And by finishes, I mean where he's at in five, ten games. That's maybe a whole whole different thing. Um, to me, the most interesting thing about this is what it's going to do to the rest of the rest of the roster, quite frankly. Because while, you know, I already said, this is not great news for Matt Nieto. It's not good news for Tommy Wingles either. Um, Tommy Wingles is the guy with the biggest cap hit. That's the guy that the contract they want to get rid of. That's, you know, that's the guy. That would be the guy. If I had to target right. one guy on the roster to, you know, to boot, that it's, it's him. Um, and the fact is that it could be very bad for both of them. You know, uh, the reality is that if LeBanc comes up and he scores, you know, Man, even just a little bit, you know, if he scores three points on the six game road trip, uh, that's probably, especially on a fourth line role or whatever, that's enough to, to keep him around. And then you fast forward three months to when Timo Meyer joins the team. Guess what? That's two call ups and that's Nieto and Wingles, you know, not sticking right. around anymore. And I think yeah. that's interesting. And I also think that the Dylan DeMello thing is going to come back uh, into the spotlight here pretty soon because. He's just rotting away up in the press box. Isn't yep. it good enough to play for the NHL team? Can't send him down. Yeah. There are moves coming. Trades, hopefully. Um, that would be the, the preference. It would really suck to waive these guys, some of these guys and lose them for nothing because they would be gone. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, uh, I'm looking right now at Natural Stat Trick. His most common line mate during the preseason, uh, played 22 minutes with him, was Chris Tierney uh, among forwards. He did play ten, a little over – 10 minutes with Tomash Hurdle. So, you know, maybe that third line is a yeah. spot and you slide, um, you slide some guys up. I think, you know, the exciting thing is that it, it gives the Sharks a lot more flexibility. And DeBoer talked about that yesterday, how they can afford to move guys around the lineup because they have, 
you know, they have a lot of inter- interchangeable parts and guys that can play up and down the lineup. You know, he talked about Bodker being a guy that they, they're just as comfortable slotting him on the third line as they are on the top line. So uh, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how DeBoer uh, uses, you know, his young players. And I think, I think he's shown, you know, he, I think DeBoer got a little bit of a bad rap for the Adam Larson situation in New Jersey. But I think, I think yeah. DeBoer's shown last, in this year in San Jose that if a, young, if a young player gains his trust, they will play. Jonas Donskoy gained his trust and Jonas Donskoy played. You know, Jonas Donskoy was older than a typical rookie. But he, you know, he established himself at the NHL level and established a regular role. So I think, you know, if LeBanc can show to DeBoer and the coaching staff that he's a capable three-zone player and that, you know, he can chip in offensively, um, you know, then he's, he's I think he's going to have a chance for a regular role. Uh, I think, you know, I, I look at this, his call-up to the road trip almost like a trial run. Mm. You're going to see, you know, he, he may or may not stay with them when they come home and play uh, against New Jersey two weeks from today. Um, not actually sure who he grew up rooting for, but I know he played, you know, youth hockey in New Jersey. So that'd be probably pretty cool for him if he played his first home game with the Sharks against the New Jersey Devils. Um, but, you know, we don't know if he's going to stay up, uh, stay up with the team beyond that. So I think it's going to depend on performance and he's going to be given an opportunity to show uh, that he can stick with the team. But I agree with you. It, it creates a, a bit of a, a jam in terms of contract that checked, uh, cap friendly today the sharks have a, just a little over 10 grand in salary cap space right now and you know cap space works you know you can accumulate more for the deadline if you have space on each day it's all very confusing to me and you know there are people who know more that have written more about it but you know so it's going to be interesting to see what this log jam creates and you know you mentioned dylan demello and yesterday devore was asked about dylan demello and he said they're happy with the play of their six defensemen and they don't, you know, they don't really want to make a change back there yet. It's, it's, it's been interesting to me that he hasn't mixed up his pairings. Um, you know, I think in a lot of the underlying metrics, the pairings have been, have been pretty good. Uh, and, you know, obviously they're, the team is allowing such few shots on goal and is doing a really good job at suppressing shots that I think that's probably why, you know, you, you told me that today, yesterday off air, that that's probably a big reason why they're staying together. So I, I, you know, I wonder what it's going to take for Dylan Tabello to get into the lineup because, you know, he's it's 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 getting to the point where you know he's probably got to play you know some games here, games here pretty quickly. And you know, I I would have thought he would have had a chance to get into this lineup even as a seventh defenseman. But now, you know, with them carrying two extra forwards, and if they scratched a forward and carried a seventh defenseman, you'd have three forwards in the press box. I you know I I don't really recall DeBoer doing that last year. And I now really can't see that happening uh, with Kevin LeBanc uh, called up. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because I agree with you. If he plays well enough, it's gonna it's gonna force their hand and force them to make uh, force them to make some maybe a little uncomfortable roster decisions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think the um, uh, going back to DeBoer for a second, I think that it's kind of unfair to uh, lay the blame for a lot of roster decisions, even in the Adam Larson situation on the board. Um, Lou Lamorello yeah. does every, or did everything there, you know? Uh, and so it's real, it's, it, it's hard to separate the two things, you know? And so I think since he's been here, um, it's been okay. That being said, the Sharks haven't really had, you know, there hasn't been a, uh, you know, 
whatever, a Connor McDavid or a Austin Matthews or a William Nylander. There has a, the, they just don't have guys like that. They have, you know, Kevin LeBanks, right? Yeah. Um, which isn't to put down Kevin LeBanks as much as to say, these are not guys that you say, well, obviously he's making the team. Well, you know, it's, these are guys that have to prove that they belong in order to make the team. That's the way it, that's the way it should work, you know? Um, so I think that the way that they've handled this so far has been pretty good. Uh, and you know, I don't know. I'm 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 excited that the team is willing to give some of their young guys a shot. But I also think that this, um, I think the reason they're calling him up is pretty clearly because they're not scoring enough. And I think that that's kind yes. of interesting too, because I think you know you look at the numbers uh, and it just it really just seems mostly like you know like bad luck. Um, and especially given how poor the division is this year, I wouldn't say that it's time to make a panic move. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what this is, but I think it's interesting given the history of the way the Sharks have been run. This is kind of unusual for them. Um, and I think that there maybe is something to be said for the idea that they feel like they're not as good a shooting team as they used to be also. And I think that, again, goes back to the Patrick Marlowe thing, which, you know, is – that it's it's one of those things where the the future of Patrick Marlowe is intrinsically related to literally every single decision made by this team going forward, and I think that that says a lot about what they think of the kind of the makeup of the team that they're calling up uh, a scorer because that's what Kevin LeBanc is. I think he's a fine two way player, or whatever, but the they're calling him up to score goals. That's what they want. That's what they feel like the team is missing right now. I mean, they're right. You know, they're like we talked yeah. about yesterday. They're allowing the second fewest shots. In the NHL, you know, they're top 10 in scoring chances against uh, in the good way, not in the bad way, to be clear. Yeah. Uh, they're creating more scoring chances than anybody in the NHL or set their top five in scoring chances. Yeah. Um, for 60. I mean, you know, this team should be scoring more. And I think that they look at the way that they have the line set up. They really the fact that they are still sticking with hurdle at the third line center um, shows to me they see the, what the weakness in that line is. And again, like we talked about earlier, it wasn't Chris Tierney when he was there. The weakness is that Patrick Marlowe's not scoring. And so that line doesn't really have a, a true scorer right now. Even, right. When, you know, Ward, even when Ward's there, that guy's not, not there to score a bunch of goals, really. He's there to kind of fulfill the role that Tomas Hurdle had on the top line. You know, yeah. chase down pucks to make hits, to yeah. be a nuisance. So that line kind of needs a, you know, uh, a score. And now that I say this, I'm talking myself into putting Kevin LeBanc on the third line. Yeah. So, you I know, think, it's, wouldn't be a bad decision, really. I think it, I think it'd be a good fit. Uh, and then you could, you know, the my handedness is messed up. So you have to move Ward also probably if you put a hurdle there because LeBanc and Ward are both right wingers. Well, I believe. Ward skated with Joe, the Joes. Uh, no, that's okay. He skated right. on the top line. So I, the way the lines worked yes, were looked yesterday was Ward, Thornton, Pavelski. Uh, Donskoy, Kutcher, Carlson, Bodker, Hurdle, Marlowe, which has the potential to be a very fast line. And even if you put LeBanc there, that line's going to play at a breakneck pace. And then the fourth line was unchanged with Nieto, uh, Tierney, Wingles, and Michael Haley uh, rotating in those spots. So I think, you know, LeBanc, you know, I agree with you. He's, you know, they need to score. And I think they're looking at this uh, as a spark. It almost reminds me of, you know, we talk about the last time there was maybe this much hype for a prospect was when Couture was getting called up. But it really reminds me of the, you know, 08, 09, 09, 10, you know, Sharks. Like when they would look for a spark, they would call up, you know, they'd, they'd call up somebody from Worcester. They called up Ben Ferriero. They called up, 
Mm. Uh, Jamie McGinn, they called up Logan Couture. Couture ended up sticking. Uh, McGinn ended up working his way out of Todd McClellan's doghouse enough. And, you know, even Ben Ferrio saw time in some playoff games. So I think, you know, I think they playoff goal even. He did. Yeah. He, um, I think they, they feel that their, their prospect pool now is at a, I think in a position where they can call, start to call these guys up and have them contribute. I don't think they felt, you know, I mean, Goldobin did get a chance last year, but I think that was more out of necessity with Couture going down. They needed a high skill player to, to, um, to fill that role. And whereas now it's like, okay, we need a, uh, you know, we need some kind of a spark and they have the young players that can do that. And maybe, uh, you know, push the guys to, to play a little more. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, how the used, where he slides in. I think you could make the argument that he could slide on any of those lines. Really? I mean, I think he could, he could play with Couture. He could play with hurdle. I could absolutely see that. Definitely could see him playing with tyranny. And like you said, you could even see him playing with the Joes, you know, even if it is a two righty situation, like with Joel Ward. So, um, you know, I, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of fascinating to see, uh, how the usage goes. Um, do you think he's going to play tomorrow night? Um, I think if he does play tomorrow night, he plays on the fourth line because that's where yeah. he has some experience and we'll get fewer minutes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he will. I, I feel like he should, you know, um, the, I, don't think that he needs more than a morning skate to get reintegrated into the way the fourth line is working. Or if he does, then yeah. maybe, you know, they should have made this move two days ago. Right. Um, and so the, my, my thinking being that they don't think he needed that extra practice day that he's, that yeah. he's going to be good to go. Cause if they thought uh, that they would have just done it. I don't think they made absolutely. this decision at midnight last night, you know? No, I think they, you know, they wanted him to play in the Barracudas game yesterday and he scored. Exactly. Uh, and they wanted they you know, they wanted him to, to get that game experience. So yeah. he's coming. I mean, that game experience is more valuable than skating with the sharks yesterday, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the sharks yesterday, a lot of their work was, you know, neutral zone stuff, stuff. They, you know, yeah. back checking with speed and handling, you know, speed coming into their defensive zone. You know, a lot of it seemed to stem, you know, from that penguins game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, I agree with you. I think he'll probably slide in on that fourth line tomorrow. You know, my, my question is, does, does Nieto play or does Wingles play? Because Wingles was a, a late scratch against the Penguins. Uh, I'm not sure if it was injury-related. Related. I didn't see anything um, that either confirmed or denied that. But, you know, Nieto played and so did Haley. You know, does he does he go in over Wingles or does he go in over Nieto? Or does he, does, I don't think he's going to play Michael Haley and Kevin LeBanc together on the fourth line. If he does play Michael Haley and Kevin LeBanc, I think you see Nieto – and when wait, I probably did the math wrong. No, probably Nieto come out, Wingle stays on the fourth line, and then LeBanc comes in maybe for Melker Carlson. Although I, you know, I don't think Carlson's yeah, Carlson enough Stain's to get scratched right. lately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, He's I think actually played really good lately. Yeah, yeah. And I think that DeBoer likes Carlson a lot too. Uh, you'll note that he hasn't been talked about a whole lot, which is usually a good sign. Um, yeah, I think you know, in my ideal world, you you. You know, you scratch Haley and you play uh, Nieto, Tierney, and uh, LeBanc on that fourth line. And scratch um, Winkles, too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, to me, that's a no-brainer because now you have a guy that can actually score in, in LeBanc. Um, Wing- uh, Nieto's a great possession player, and Tierney's, you know, Tierney's solid. He's not obviously even in this conversation. Uh, Nieto's a be- better player than Winkles is, uh, and that's that. 
you know, is that what's going to happen? I, I don't know. I also think that fits with the handedness, right? Because Nieto is, uh, would yep. play the left, right? So, yep. uh, whereas Wingles would play the right, I believe. So, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Wingles is yeah. a right winger. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I don't know. That seems like the more natural thing to do because I, uh, I'm not opposed to the idea of playing guys on their offside, especially, you know, more veteran dudes, but I'm certainly not going to play Kevin LeBanc on his offhand in his first NHL game. That right. would be just foolhardy. Yeah. So if it's up to me, that's what I do. You know, I play the, the Nieto, Tierney, uh, LeBanc line and see what happens. Because I really do think that if you have a guy like a Tierney that's a solid, you know, a, dec- a good fourth line center, you have a guy like Nieto who plays a good possession game who can help you get the puck out of your zone and into the neutral zone. And then a guy like LeBanc that, you know, is an elite scorer. I, that's a pretty good mix for really any yeah. line. And I think that's a good mix for a fourth line, especially. Yeah, I think that, um, that's got the opportunity to score some goals. Uh, in especially because I don't think the Capitals' fourth line is anything to get excited about. I think they play a pretty heavy fourth line, uh, yeah. at least traditionally. I couldn't, couldn't speak to this year. I haven't looked at them too closely, yeah. too closely yet. So that's what yeah, I Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's got the formula to work. Uh, he did play with Nieto, too, according to natural stat trick. They played a little over 10 minutes together uh, okay. in the preseason. So he, he will have, he's got some familiarity with, uh, with those guys, you know, really the only other NHL forward he has, you know, more familiarity with than Nieto is uh, Tomas Hurdle. The rest of his most common line mates that are forwards, Goldobin, Carpenter, you know, guys that are playing with the Barracuda right now. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, I think we'll, I think there, I think we, there's a good chance we'll see the kid make his uh, NHL debut on election night, no less. In our nation's capital. Wow. Yeah. As if the night couldn't get any bigger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think this is kind of exciting. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what they what they do going forward here, and then uh, obviously we'll have I'll have some stuff up on what I think the Sharks need to do as far as a roster standpoint at some point here in the next couple of days because that's gonna be need, that needs to be addressed probably pretty darn soon. Um, you know, they, I know obviously they're under the cap now, but it's so so tight that they're gonna want to you know give themselves a little bit of room here. I think it's going to all depend on how LeBanc plays because if he's not great, they'll send him back down after the road trip. No harm, no foul. But if he is yep. very good, then you've got a crunch. And you know, like you said, if they waived, if they waived any of Nieto, Wingles, and Demello, like you know, I, especially Demello, I think you'd get that would get claimed sure. in a heartbeat. No problem. He'd, he'd probably be able to play. You know, I was talking with uh, Zach, who writes for. Uh, He's like a prospects writer for the Sharks. He was at the practice yesterday. He's active Divine. Uh, you know, he's saying that, you know, DeMello can probably play a lot of minutes for almost every other team in the division defensively other than the Sharks because yeah. a lot of them are really struggling defensively. The only guy who wouldn't get claimed in that uh, scenario to me is Wingles. Um, yeah, too much money, I think, on the deal. Way too much money. So, uh yeah, and that so I assume that if they waive him, I mean they're still eating a bunch of that cap hit, so that's not really a great scenario either. Because I don't yeah. think they could just bury. Well, certainly they can't bury the entire cap hit. I don't know how much of it they'd be able to I bury think because they'd be able to bury one point two five. So I think half of his deal. I think that's the max. That's right, not no, nothing. Sorry, nine hundred twenty-five thousand is the max that they can bury. Okay, so the right. Rest he's would still what, be on their he's cap. like two and two and a quarter, two and a half. Yeah, yeah, five. Half. yeah that's Jesus God. Overpaying fourth liners is an epidemic that needs to be. Well, done. when he signed it, he was not. You know, he wasn't. Yeah, I know. Playing yeah, you're right. Role. He's he's his uh, decline has been. You know, a, a probably quick. A, yeah, quick and a bit of a problem for the Sharks. Uh, no kidding. 
lately. So, uh, right. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, we I already touched on it because that's why LeBanc is here, but, uh, Sharks got their butts kicked pretty good on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, really just got embarrassed. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that's, you know, I guess from, from just a, a hockey standpoint, it's, you know, whatever, you're going to lose games, you're going to lose some games in embarrassing fashion. But the fact that they had already lost back-to-back games in regulation against crappy teams, you know, they, they came into that game really needing a win from a PR morale standpoint, and they got literally the opposite of what they were looking for. Um, what did you see in that game that, you know, a, a takeaway that, that's something maybe we can, you know, learn about the Sharks from that contest? Oh man, I think, uh, I don't know. I think the, the, a big thing there was just the, some of the sloppiness that's, uh, that's hurt them this season just really came to the forefront and really came to fruition in that game. Didn't think they played a terrible first period. I thought they were actually, you know, pretty good for the most part. They were down two nothing, but it wasn't a, a two nothing deficit where you're like, okay, they're screwed. Uh, that Especially because we were down one nothing for most of the most of the period, and I thought they actually had a pretty good chance to get back into the game, and then they give up that second goal, and that was kind of a bummer because they felt yeah. they played well enough to be yeah. really in no, the I game. Agree. And then I think the third the third goal was just a, a backbreaker, and that's one. Yeah. You know, they won't say it. They haven't said it. I don't know if Martin Jones will say it because he's you know pretty pretty coy and pretty you know just straight shooter. But that's. Uh, that third goal is one that I think he wants to have back, you know, bad turnover, but again, sloppiness, a bad turnover by Vlasic, like right to Crosby in front of the net. That's, you know, that's even if it was a, a bit of a weak shot, that's a place you don't want to turn the puck over. Uh, you know, then the, the shorthanded goal, they got beat on, you know, they, they were, uh, I was not at the game, but, you know, watching some of the post-game quotes and hearing what the players had to say, Logan Couture, as usual, very frank in his criticism about what happened. And, you know, I, tend to agree with him. He, it seemed more, not like an, he, he characterized it as effort. And I, you know, I wouldn't say that they're, yeah, they weren't yeah. trying. I, I don't think he's saying that either, but I think it was a lot of sloppy mistakes that he said too. And I agree with that. I don't think the penguins, you know, they, the sloppiness ended up, you know, helping them dominate, but it, it didn't seem like a game where the penguins were firing on all cylinders and they were at their best. It felt like a game where, they were, you know, they were kind of given, you know, opportunities. It, it honestly kind of felt a little bit like, you know, some of the games that the Sharks, uh, some of the some of the games of the Cup final that the Sharks led in, you know, at Game Five, they took advantage of some sloppiness from the Penguins, took a took a lead going into the to, to the second period. Unlike that game, you know, it wasn't Matt Murray standing on his head. It was the shark, you know, the Sharks continuing to be sloppy, um, you know, as opposed to Martin Jones standing on his head while the penguins really turned it on so i think you know nothing too concerning about it. it was a bad loss i'm sure i really don't get the sense that the opponent made it worse for them i think they you know they both teams really downplayed the whole you know stanley cup rematch thing i think it's probably because the teams see each other so infrequently and because a lot of them you know four of the sharks played with Sidney crosby over the summer i think any any animosity so to speak from that kind of died down and any you know residual feelings died down so i but i think just you know just the nature in which they lost and you allow you know five goals and they're all you know to it each of those goals are not a result of wow they just made like a really good play i think there's there's there are people at fault on each of them and you know but that that kind of stuff happens and it's game 12 of the season so i think it's it's ultimately too early to be concerned but you know that's a 
you know, going into a road trip on a three game losing streak, as opposed to going on a road trip, having won that game seven and five, you know, it's a, it's a big difference and it, it still is early, but you know, we're, we're a couple weeks away from that cutoff point where teams that are in playoff positions, you know, tend to stay. So, you know, they, they the, the urgency, I think, for the road trip uh, certainly increases a bit after after losing that game because you know you you lose tomorrow in Washington, you're under 500. Right, and I think a big thing is that Martin Jones has really just not played well this year at all. Yeah, and uh, you know I try not to look too much into the actual the way that he's playing as far as me, you know, my, using my eyes because you know I'm not not a, a goalie coach, I'm not a goalie a scout, so. But I, I know that one of his biggest problems is that he can be a little, I don't want to say lazy, but lazy, getting back to seal that post. And you saw that on that, that bank shot, and you see it on all of those short side goals he allows. It's because he, he waits too long to get over. And this is something I talked about with an actual goalie coach, uh, Greg Malik, who you guys should follow on Twitter because he's great. Um, he sometimes doesn't come over and seal up the post on, on yeah. his left side. That is a huge, huge problem for him. And that's something that, that Greg uh, pointed out to me to begin with. And since then, it's like I can't not notice it every single right. time it happens. And, you know, I did that post about, you know, the Sharks needing more from Martin Jones. A lot of those goals against are coming from that little spot that is not a scoring area over to his left over near the faceoff dot. You know, part of that is that Martin Jones just needs to play better. And part of that, too, is that, you know, hey, listen, this has been the story for a season and a half, you know. Some of the Sharks defenders to figure it out. You know, hey, let's maybe try to, you know, prevent yeah. shots from that area. That's, that's their job. Um, and I know, again, while the Sharks have allowed a very small number of shots, they're allowing a disproportionate number of scoring chances to the number of shots. And I think that that's kind of a problem. And yeah. that goes back to the sloppiness um, you know, I know you mentioned Vlasic on that that first goal, I believe it was, and uh, him was and Braun. The first or, or the third? Third goal, yeah. Sorry, no, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, they got just victimized by the Penguins, Vlasic and Braun. They got embarrassed. And yeah. that They should be embarrassed because the, those are the guys that are supposed to go out there and, you know, yeah. get it done against the top guys. And, you know, they showed they're not those guys or they weren't on Saturday. They just weren't. Yeah. And it's like – okay, you know, we know that you guys are getting the tough minutes, but that's why you're getting the tough minutes, you know? Exactly. And so I feel like it's not really anything that's changed so much as that it's just they're making these really silly errors that are seem to be burning them just every single time. And yeah, it becomes more of a focal point because the team's not scoring, of course. So Exactly. If you're, if like you're you not said, scoring goals at the other end, those errors right. are magnified. Right. So it's only 12 games, and I'm not really concerned about the team going forward. It's just kind of frustrating. You know, it's one thing to go into a game. Both teams play well, and, you know, another team makes a really good play, and, you know, whatever. Like, the losing in the Stanley Cup final wasn't really all that frustrating to me because I felt like, oh, no, the Penguins are just better. That's, yeah. And that's how it goes, okay? They're a better yeah. team, and the Sharks didn't deserve to win. That's fine. Uh, I have no problem losing to a better team than when you get outplayed. But watching games like that one where it's like, you're not in the game, not because the Penguins are better, but because you're you're playing stupid, you know, yeah. it's just not it's, it's playing poorly and playing stupidly. And they've played a lot of stupid games and that's, that's yeah. a little more frustrating, you know, try not to overreact to any of it because, you know, I don't think it's going to be a long-term problem, but it's like, you know, come on guys, let's show that we learned something from, from the long playoff run and let's, you know, take the games a little more seriously and make yeah. fewer mistakes. Yeah. I think that's been the early, 
I think uh, really other than that Detroit loss, I don't think they've truly been outplayed, like dominated and had the other team control play in any of any of their losses. It's no, it's been sloppiness. The Rangers game, sloppy mistakes. Third period against the Penguins, uncharacteristically sloppy. You know, two dom- two dominant periods, and then the worst period they've played all season. Still, uh, you know, even though they were not great in the second period on on Saturday, I still think that third period against the Penguins is the worst they've played all season. Sloppy in the second period against Arizona. Sloppy in yep. the second period again against Calgary. You know, they you know Brent Burns talked about it after the the Calgary loss. You let teams with high end skill, and you know a lot of these. Teams, you know, Calgary certainly has high end skill. Pittsburgh Absolutely. certainly has high end skill. You know, even Arizona has a good collection of pretty skilled players. The Rangers we're seeing that so far this year. You yeah. let teams hang around like that, and if you're not at your best defensively, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna get bitten, especially if you're not scoring uh, offensive. You're scoring in the offensive end. So there, you know, I agree with you. It's not. It's definitely. I think can be frustrating for to watch. Um, from a fan's perspective, but I think, you know, you know, the stuff you said about Jones too is interesting. Was he saying that, you know, when Jones is sliding laterally to his blocker side, he gets beaten uh, to his, uh, to his left hand side. Yeah. So that's his okay. uh, glove side. So is that his glove? Is that his glove? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause you know, I noticed, you know, you think about that. I, you notice that I think even goals where he's been beaten, um, he's been beaten five, you know, like that mm, the goal yeah. Chuck scored was to his left that that five hole goal was to his left uh Crosby he was sliding to his left and then the Crosby first goal he what he did not seal the post when Crosby was behind the net and Crosby threw it in off of him yep. off of the gate you know and yes that's fluky and you know as DeBoer put it Sidney Crosby is the only player in the world who can score two goals without actually shooting the puck like you know so other than maybe Joe Thornton if he gets two two right. empty breakaways he gets tripped um but you know that's I, that to me you know that's a I, that's an interesting point and you know now that you've said it and that the goalie coach said it that's that's something I kind of can't unsee either I think that Crosby first goal is directly a result of not sealing, um, sealing the post so you know he he Jones had his struggles last year and I'm I'm really not sure how much of it is him starting so many games because you know I, I was looking at the game log and you know trying to see oh how many if he started a lot of games were there a lot of you know bad games later on and. You know, there were some in the middle, some at the beginning. I think it's, I think he just, you know, hasn't been at his best to start the season, and he was at his best in the postseason. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody expected him to be in postseason form this early, but I think they were certainly expecting him to be league average. I don't think yeah. he hasn't. Been, I don't think he's been that at all. He's been worse than a uh, worse than Peter Budai this year. So, uh, that's fun. It's not great. That's- that's not now. Enough. That being said, I looked. I went and looked at his rolling save percentage average. He's still in a better place now than he was uh, last December when he really, you know, was struggling. Um, it's not a perfect comparison because last December the Sharks were so injury bitten that uh, yeah, it was just a, a kind of a crappy team without a lot of really good players, yeah. obviously. So, but uh, I think another thing to point out is the fact that uh, Aaron Dell came in, you know, relieved Jones and. Also looked pretty crappy. Um, in fairness, the whole team did. It was a, a bad yeah. game. And so I would not make any big conclusions from that game. But it's, you know, you'd really like to have seen Dell come in and shut them out the rest of the way. So at right. least now the Sharks wouldn't be able to say, you know, they'd have a reason to play him again, you yeah. know, yeah. going forward. And now it's kind of like, okay, 
right? We're going to play Jones the next eight games. That's great. That's fine. That's such a tough ask of Dell, too, though, especially because oh, yeah, absolutely. the goal was so early in the second period that, you know, he can't, you know, if he had gone, if they'd gone into the intermission and said, Dell, you're starting, you can kind of get into that, you know, get into a mindset, no, he's right. starting. He's sitting on the bench to start the second period. All of a sudden, DeBoer looks down the bench and says, you know, you're in. You know, I, I talked to him yesterday. He said, I was definitely definitely wasn't expecting to play against the Penguins. So, um, you know, he, he still does his preparation as if, you know, he, as if he's starting every night. But that's that's got to be jarring. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's got to be jarring when the coach looks down the bench at you and says, okay, you're going in now. Uh, so Against one of the best teams in the league. All right, Godspeed, kid. In your second appearance, yeah. So I think, you know, yeah. it's – it's going to be interesting to see when he starts too on this trip because this first, this we talked about this yesterday a little bit. This first three game stretch of the road trip is it's as brutal. brutal as any you could ask. I mean, Washington, Florida, Tampa Bay. I don't know if it's in that order. I know Washington's first, but man, I mean, I know Florida struggled this year, and you know, Yager's hurt unfortunately, so we won't get to see him unless he comes back for that game. But Tampa's rolling. Stamkos looks great. Washington is Washington, you know, so that's a, that's a daunting uh, stretch. And I, I, if they weren't going to trust him to play against Arizona or Calgary in those games, you know, I, I can't imagine him playing against any of those three teams to start the road trip. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, it, this is going to be a scary road trip. It's not going to be a whole lot of fun to be honest, unless they <laughs> really figure, figure out the whole, the whole scoring thing here pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, I mean, I really don't feel like there's a team the Sharks can play against this year that they're not, you know, uh, that I wouldn't pick them against. So it's not really, you know, it should be a feel a lot better if they'd beaten uh, Arizona and Calgary. That that yeah, I guess goes probably goes without saying. But yeah, yeah, it's like okay, it's it's not great. It's not great. But the good news is that I think that this Kevin LeBanc call up is going to be good, and I think that the team is going to respond pretty well to this losing streak because they usually do. And, yeah. I, and quite frankly, even if it's none of it's related, you know, uh, what, it would not surprise me at all if the Sharks shoot 20% on this stupid road trip and everyone talks about how Kevin LeBanc energized the team and they're competing now and, you know, whatever. Um, there's going to be a lot of correlation, causation, uh, bullshit over the next uh, week, it would be my guess. So it'll be interesting to see what, what actually happens. I'm really curious to see how LeBanc plays and where he ends up playing. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the big storyline. That's going to be... You know that's going to be really. It's going to be really fun to to see how he's used and see see where he's used and see if he sticks beyond this road trip. He's going to have you know if he impresses against you know the the bright news for him is if he impresses against these good teams like it's going to be he's really going to stick around if he has a good road trip. If he plays well in these three games, in my opinion, I mean there's, I mean, no, reason, there's, there's no reason there's no reason to send him back you know, at that level because like I mean it's going to be kind of a tough decision. As far as who they're gonna, what they're gonna do otherwise, but like, not that tough. It's not gonna be yeah. that tough. <laughs> it's a good. I mean, it's a good problem to have for them. Absolutely. If he forces their hand and he's NHL ready right now, ten games into his professional career, I bet you know they're gonna take that and any Absolutely. roster headache it causes at this. Yep. Point. So it's you know we don't want to hype up Kevin LeBanc too much, but you know if he's not the shark savior after these six games, then hope is lost, right? Is that is that? The, I think that's I think the that is editorial stance. Yeah, yeah, right. That's our editorial yeah. stance. Right, right. Uh, because we are the San Jose Barracuda experts more so <laughs> than anyone else. Nobody else knows what they're no. talking about. Yes. Yeah. No, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see for sure. I think, you know, I, I stand by it. I think he's probably the 
the prospect I've been most excited to see for the Sharks since Logan Couture got called. I don't think I would have – you know, Goldobin maybe last year I was excited to see, but this this surpasses it, and I think yeah. I would not have been saying that unless he had the preseason that he did. So he's he's Correct. he's moved onto the radars of a lot of people, uh, this website included. So it's going to be very exciting to see uh, what he can do. All right, so we'll uh, maybe we'll do another one of these on Friday again, given – We'll see how the uh, LeBanc mania goes. Uh, hopefully he does play tomorrow because I think I would assume there's a pretty good chance his parents will be able to show up for that game if yeah. he does. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, Brooklyn kid. So I assume that they'll show up regardless if he plays or not. But it would be pretty cool for him to be able to get to play in front of his parents for his uh, NHL debut. But, hey, tickets to Florida, not that expensive. It's a wonderful time yeah. to be in Florida. Yep. As wonderful a time as there can be to be in Florida, I guess, would be the, the asterisk on the... Anyway, it's not important. I love Florida and all of our Floridian friends. Um, <clears throat> all right, so that'll, that'll do it for us. So we've got a bunch of stuff on the site. And we'll have more Kevin LeBanks up and more kind of Sharks-oriented Kevin LeBanks up as far as how roster stuff moves around before then. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Sundstrom and at Fear the Finn. Marcus is at Marcus P. White. I am. Uh, he is. Oh, hey, there were a couple of questions I'm supposed to answer, actually. Hold on. Let's hold do on. it. Yes, let's do let's it. Let's do it. I got, I think, three emails. So hold on. We're going we're gonna to answer all of these. Loading up email machine. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, my God. Oh, they're mentioning goals for percentage or expected goals. Wow, this is a highbrow stuff for this podcast. Okay. Hang on. Let me get out my calculator. <laughs> do, 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 do. I'm ready. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, the first question is from Larry McCurtis. He asked about uh, who stuck out as bad and good in the blowout. We kind of talked about that already uh, as far as the top defensive pairing being bad. And uh, nobody was good. Um, I think that would be fair to say. I, I don't, if you lose 5 nothing or whatever, you, I don't know if anybody can be, can be good. Yeah, I, don't th- I, think that's a, I think nobody really played that well. If, if they had, uh, I don't, they right. wouldn't have lost 5 nothing. Yeah, that was a collectively bad uh, collectively bad game, I think, for sure. Right. Uh, his next question is, secondly, the Sharks' PDO being dead last in the league this morning, but their expected goals four is projected at second. Do you think we'll see a storm of goals in the next weeks? It just seems like there has to be a breaking point soon. Um, well, technically, I, well, I hope so, I guess, is my answer. Uh, no, we there's not like – it doesn't really work that way where it's like, oh, you've been unlucky for so long and now you're all of a sudden going to be lucky again. It doesn't really work that way. The Sharks could continue to be this unlucky literally until the end of time. It could happen. Not yeah. likely, but it could happen. Yeah, it could be – I mean, you were expecting them to regress to the mean, but it, it could be a seasonal uh, slump. We've seen teams done in by a low you know, on-ice shooting percentage before and a low save percentage. I – I think though that I would expect, you know, even if the save percentage, excuse me, the shooting percentage is low, I expect that save percentage to regress like pretty soon. Like Mart- Martin Jones is just too good of a goalie to to play at that level for the whole season. Uh, will it happen on this this week or this part of the road trip? That I'm not sure. They're playing three really really good teams, but they do close the road trip with uh, Carolina, uh, St. Louis, and Arizona. They did. They've already lost to Arizona, so you can't overlook the Coyotes, but. You know, Carolina's a team that's not gotten great goaltending this year. And, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers on Jake Allen so far this season, but their Sharks were able to score on St. Louis last year with Brian Elliott and Ned, and he was a substantially better goaltender. So I think there's there's going to be an opportunity for them to kind of, you know, play at their normal, 
return to normalcy, if you will. But, you know, with, with slumps like this, you, you really never know. Right. Uh, so we already answered the next question. Uh, this is from Caleb Pitts, at the most Caleb on Twitter. When do you think someone from the Barracuda will get the bump up? And on the flip side, who do you think will then get sent down? Well, the answer is Kevin LeBanc. Called yeah. it. Uh, nobody got sent down yet. And I think the only person who can get sent down is Tierney. I think he's the only other person who's waiver yeah. who's not uh, who is waiver exempt, I mean. Correct. Who's yeah, yeah, it's it's not, just, it's, the wording is terrible, but he's not waiver eligible. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah. Uh, right. So there we go. Called it. Nailed it. <laughs> Doug Wilson's reading Fear the Fin and making roster decisions based on <laughs> yeah. Solely on our input. Whoo! Got him again. Yeah. You are welcome, Dougie. My phone is here, and I'm ready. I'm ready for my phone call. you on one of his four. Exactly. Right, right, right. One of his. I assume he has four ra- Motorola Razors all in different colors. Have you seen that? Um, you've seen that picture of him at the draft from a few years ago, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has, this, he has one cell phone in his hand and another on the outside, and then he has, like, the desk phone. It's just, like, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, he's a very smart man. He just hasn't figured out conference calls yet. Uh, he's going to get there. <laughs> Group calling is a difficult thing. Uh, I assume him and Brian Sabian shopped at the same place. I think my favorite all-time <laughs> Brian Sabian photo is him on his razor at a San Jose Giants game eating a frozen yogurt. Just <laughs> doing, doing what he does. I assume that, that, that that's a similar thing and they hang out and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, well, that is a movie I would pay $8 to see. Absolutely. All right. We've uh, gotten off topic, but that's all of the questions that I got in my email, so that's fine. You can uh, always welcome to send in, submit more questions if you have them, and we'll uh, use them on a future podcast or uh, whatever. So that's it. We're done, guys.